0: Hi, this is Wilson with Renew Church OC. Thanks for jumping into our podcast. Over the next three months, our new series is called Lineage. And we're going to walk through major characters of the Old Testament, from Abraham all the way to Daniel, and understand the movement of the nation of Israel. This is important because it's part of our lineage. Our lineage isn't just made up of our ethnic or national identity, but as Christians, is primarily this Old Testament story. Abraham is the father of our faith. And in Ephesians, we learn that God is making one people, Jewish and Gentiles, into the story of lineage, of how God has called the people to himself. So I hope that as you read the Old Testament, it wouldn't just be stories of dead old Jewish guys, but you would look at it as your own ancestry, as part of your story, and the story that we're continuing. Hope you enjoy our new series. Hey, welcome back everyone. Thank you so much for praying for Neri's family, Pastor Dave, and also our nation. And I hope that as we pray today, as we prayed on Friday, that we would we would it would inspire us to continue to pray over the course of this week, and we've, we've never needed more prayer for our nation than now. We're moving into a new series called Lineage. I'm introducing it, and then it's going to go through the course of my sabbatical, so about three months, and we're walking through the Old Testament, highlighting different Old Testament characters, uh, but also understanding the flow and the large story of the nation of Israel. And why is that lineage important? Well, it's because it's our lineage. Our primary lineage isn't being Latino or Caucasian or Asian American. Our primary lineage is is our spiritual lineage, is the lineage that Jesus and, and the Father grafts us into. And so when we look at the Old Testament, I want you to think of it as your history, as where you come from. Right? I think as you get older, you're curious about um, your, your lineage, about how your parents got to the U.S. or your grandparents or a uh, hundred years ago, where, what part of Europe they were from and the struggles that your people had gone through. Over especially this last six months, we've talked a lot about what it looks like to be a person of color, if, if that's you, and, and the significance of that. But all of that pales in comparison to the spiritual lineage we share with um, these patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, the spiritual lineage we share with Israel. So let me give you this passage uh, from Paul. In verse 11 through 12, it talks about how we were Gentiles, basically non-Jews. We were uncircumcised. We worshiped other gods. And, um, And how... The Jews were proud of their circumcision, even though it didn't affect their hearts. Um, It's just their bodies. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship from the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises of God. Um, You lived in this world without God and without hope. That's where most of us come from if we're not Jewish, right? We come from non-Christian, non-Judea Uh, Judea backgrounds, like Buddhism, Hinduism, atheism. But it says in verse 13, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility towards one another was put to death. So what Jesus is saying is, Because of his death on the cross, he grafts us in who were non-Jews, who were not a part of the Abrahamic covenant, who weren't his people, weren't his nation into his nation, into the covenants that he made with Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And so when we become Christian, we're grafted into this huge spiritual lineage and their story becomes our story. I would say their story, the Jewish story, is actually our primary story as we become part of God's uh, big story, part of this spiritual lineage. Why else are we doing this uh, lineage series? Well, it shows us how God interacts uh, with these main characters of the Old Testament. When we see how interact God interacts with them, it shows us how he is going to interact in our lives because he is the same so the way that God responds to people in obedience or disobedience in faithfulness in covenant is the same way he'll respond to us and you see this consistent God from Genesis through the Old Testament in Jesus and as he wraps up the earth his character stays the same so how he interacts with us is the same as well it's us who are different and so we learn about who God is and how he will intersect in our lives through learning about who they were. Lastly, we get to see the world, see world events from God's perspective. What a gift, right? I wish I could see God's perspective as the whole world grounds to a halt, as airplanes are parked on in parking lots, as people have changed their whole lives around this COVID virus. What is God seeing? What is his lens in the world right now? What is he doing? Because when you look at the Old Testament, you have these huge national events and then you hear people commentate on what God is thinking, on his plans, on why. So as we ask why about now, we get to read the whys of, of the Old Testament. And as we understand God's character in these national events, we can depend on his character for today and even start to see from his perspective. So I think the Old Testament is actually more applicable now than ever before. Greg made the le- next slide, our lineage slide. And it, on the left, it, it goes through these big movements of the Old Testament. And on the right are the characters that we're going to sit with and talk through. And these are actually the theological terms in how the Old Testament progresses. There's the patriarchs, which is Abraham, Isaac, Joseph and Jacob and Joseph who are making the covenant with the Lord and the lineage of Abraham. And then after that, Joseph goes into Egypt and they spend 400 years there and that's where like this small tribal family becomes a nation. Uh, over these 400 years, they become up to a million people. And Moses leads them out of Egypt. And and that's when they're inaugurated as a nation with a land through this conquest series uh, as they gain laws and gain a land through Joshua. So we'll be talking about Moses, Rahab, and Joshua. And then after that, they're in this promised land that was promised to Abraham. And there's a few phases there. So there's judges where they didn't have kings. They had judges who ruled these people along with the Torah. And we talk about two judges, Deborah and Samson. Then the next movement is into kings with Saul and David and Elijah as a prophet. And then after this um, phase or this uh, series of kings, the last kind of leg of Israel's history is exile And then this um, coming back together, reconciliation. So God sends them into exile because of their continual disobedience. And then he regathers them with Nehemiah. Um, And so we're walking through the series. We're probably going to end with a lengthy series in Nehemiah when I come back. And if this is our history, right? If this is our lineage, if this is part of our story, extremely important part of our story that we're continuing, shouldn't we know about it? And I and I would probably suggest, you know, maybe to my, uh, you know, shame, that most of our church probably wouldn't be able to tell you the movements of the Old Testament. Uh, most of our church probably wouldn't be able to tell you our story, uh, the story that we embody. And so I'm really excited to be able to, uh, see our church, especially through Pastor Dave, who really is a historian, scholar, just one of the best preachers that I, I personally look up to, walk us through the series. Uh, Kristen, Chrissy, uh, our t- interns uh, Irwin, and Kevin will be preaching as well. So in each of our uh, sermons, we kind of started with learning, like what are we learning through these different characters. So in my sermon today, it's learning the journey of waiting from Abraham. As we look at how Abraham waits throughout his journey, um, I think about his journey of waiting being applied to us as well. The way he waited on the Lord for his plans and promises is the same journey many of us will go on because it's the same God. So in this journey, God time travels with us. And I think that's always the first step into God's plans and purposes and promises for our life is to sit with him and say, God, you've already given me good works and planned good works in advance for me to do. You have these plans to prosper me. Help me to discover those plans with you. And we preached about that uh, last Sunday. And he shows it to us. He's, He's always shown his plans to his people. But after he shows us his plans, there's this long period of waiting, sometimes months, sometimes years, sometimes decades. But this waiting is not without purpose. Then God fulfills his plans. But after fulfilling his plans, oftentimes he calls us to sacrifice it again, this resurrendering of what he gives us. And then God's plans blows our minds. Um, So we're going to be walking through these different phases in Abraham's life, but also as we think about our lives as well. Well, when you look at uh, Genesis 12, 1 to 4, God calls Abraham in verse 12 and he says, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. What a huge call. Right, if he were to sit down with you today and say, "Hey, go to pick up and go to Russia," you know, or pick up and and grab an airplane ticket, it's actually extremely difficult to do, especially if you have a house and a mortgage and a family. And and then back then, when you leave your family like this with no plans to return, you're basically saying goodbye to them forever, right? It's not like you can zoom in or buy buy a return flight. So Abraham sacrifices a lot in order to follow Jesus, in order to be set apart or holy uh, for the Lord. And then he says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And then verse four, it says, so so Abr- Abram departed as the Lord had instructed him. And that he was 75 years old. So he's an older man. God gives him this like three-fourths life crisis where he departs from his land, his people, his native tongue into this unknown land. But we see his obedience. And we see this great promise of God that God was going to, through Abraham, make a a nation, an innumerable nation, a nation, he's going to bless the entire earth, and he's going to give them a land, a land and a people. I mean, that's a huge promise. And so Abraham follows the Lord as God time travels with him into that future. But think about the waiting process. It was 25 years later until Abraham has Isaac. 25, that's... That's like almost as old as Erwin. Erwin, how old are you? 25 years old. Mikey? 24. That's older than Mikey, right? How? That's a lot of waiting. Erwin as a baby to now, we can't even wait 25 seconds sometimes, right? I'm on the microwave. I'm heating my kids' milk. Uh, and like you know, I cut I cut four seconds off because four seconds is too long. I skip every Netflix intro. Uh, I fast forward through boring characters on TV shows. When I watch a commercial, I feel like I'm going back in time. Right? It's like archaic to sit through a commercial. So that's the age we're living in. But when you look at scripture, people wait, not seconds or minutes, not even months or years but decades. Joseph, after getting uh, time traveling with Jesus into his future, he sits as a slave, then he sits in prison for 20 plus years. Moses is winding the wilderness for 40 years, is a shepherd for another 40. These are the men who've done the greatest things in our lineage and they waited. Jesus was waiting. Right, Jesus was waiting for thirty years before he started ministry. What a terrible waste of time! In the, for the most powerful, brilliant teacher like he—he he, he incarnated. He came down to earth. That's a lot of trouble. I would be starting when I can talk if I was him. Right, like I'm babbling and then like speaking like universal truths to everyone. At the age of two and a half. That's what that would be my game plan if I was Jesus. But the waiting process, the waiting, God calls us into waiting. Have you been willing to wait in your life? You know, Abraham, as faithful as he was, there were moments where he didn't wait. He knew that God was gonna give him descendants, and yet he went from 75, which is very old to have kids, to 80, to 90. And then he started feeling like, okay, I'm going to do this my own way. So, so and Sarah offers her maidservant, Hagar, to have a kid with Abraham to fulfill the promise of God. And I'm sure Sarah was feeling very like anxious and probably shameful that this whole huge promise of a nation was kind of, de- you know, she probably felt like it was dependent on her and she couldn't get pregnant. And, and do we do that sometimes? Do we have haggars in our life where we hear God's promise for us, but we're not willing to wait for them? So we just kind of do it our way, do it with our will, do it ahead of the Lord. That's often what we fall into. But why does God have us wait? It says, sometimes later, the Lord spoke to Abram, in a vision and said to him do not be afraid abram for i will protect you and be your great reward and i wish i used the right version for that uh, verse 2 abraham abram replied o oh lord what good are all your possessions when i don't even have a son and i think about why god calls us to wait And I believe it's because He wants to be our great reward. You know, it's so easy to to conflate following and loving God with following and loving His plans or His stuff or our feelings of Him. Like so many Christians tell me, like, I'm falling away from the Lord or I'm I'm walking away from God because I don't have the same feelings anymore well, then you were never following Jesus. You were following your feelings of him, right? Like, I'm falling away from God because bad things have happened in my life. Well, you you weren't really following Jesus. You were following the good things that he was giving you. This period of waiting is a purification where the reward isn't the land or the descendants or the fame. It's It's the Lord. And if you look at other versions of this text, which I've, I've failed to give you. It says, I will be your great reward, right? In verse uh, one, I will be your great reward. and And the waiting puts our eyes on the Lord as our great reward. Is waiting something you hate? Is waiting something you're trying to sidestep? Is when you wait, do you immediately go into like, I'm just going to take control of my life and make this happen? or or have you embraced waiting knowing that it's what filters and allows you to find just Jesus I'm following you Jesus in the waiting I'm following you after the waiting um God fulfills his plans in our life and in verse 21 of Genesis um Uh, Sorry, chapter 21 of Genesis. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he has promised. Verse 5, Abraham was 100 years old when he had his son Isaac. Um, In verse 6, you see Sarah say, The Lord, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So we see Abraham and Sarah faithfully persevering in God's promise. In from seventy-five to a hundred years old, no one has children. Obviously, at that time, not not then, not now. And so we know that this is not. Um, a birth from human means right It's the Lord who made Sarah pregnant but during this process there's these really there's these really intimate intimate moments with Sarah where where there's Jesus we believe and and two angels or the Trinity visits Abraham and again reaffirms his God's plan that he would have a kid. And then Sarah's listening in the background, right? Kind of unseen, thinking she's unnoticed. And when they reaffirmed that promise, she laughs because she doesn't believe it. She's she's like, I'm like 90 years old. It's not going to happen. She laughs. And then the visitor turns to her and says, Sarah, did you laugh? And she's like, no, Lord, I did not laugh. And then he says, you did laugh. And, it, and then it, it ends there really awkwardly, right? And as I'm reading this passage, it's like she laughs out of doubt. And here she says again, God has brought me laughter. And everyone will laugh with with me. That the same laughter in her doubt, she now reflects back and laughs in her joy. I think the moments in our waiting God's going to turn into these other moments that are mirrors to it. And and there's a fullness and a joy and and really a redemption of the waiting. There's the waiting is hard, it's dark, it's 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 foggy, but when we see clearly, we'll see Sarah will look back at that moment of laughing. With the Lord at his promise. And and in that laughter, laugh again as she's holding her child. My sister just gave birth. And um last Christmas, she uh 2020, she was pregnant. We had a little family gathering of my parents, my sister and her husband, and we just blessed her baby. We just prayed, God, thank you so much that she's pregnant, because they've been waiting and wanting a baby. And then Cameron, her my brother-in-law, reminded me. Last Christmas, we sat around the same couch. We extended the same hands and we prayed that Winnie would get pregnant. And this year, we get to pray for her um, her belly and, and the baby residing within it. They just gave birth a few days ago and I am so grateful. I think God's fulfillment brings us back to those same moments. Uh, when we moments that maybe we've forgotten prayers that we forgot like i forgot i had prayed for my sister in 2019 but god did not and he's faithful to redeem all of those moments for us as he fulfills his plans but after fulfilling his plans we have sack we have our sacrifice which is a really like sneaky part of the journey right we want the ending to be his plans are fulfilled but it's often not there's often a resurrendering of what he gave us because again that can become an idol and often has so many times god doesn't give us what we ask for because he knows it will immediately become idolatry that we're actually asking it to we're asking for an idol like we we often pray for idols and he's like no that's not good for you but even when it is good for us um, it can become an idol. And, and that's why Tim Keller says our hearts are an idol factory, right? Out of our hearts, the things we see and touch becomes idols. And so God asked Abraham, and again, asks us to sacrifice the things that he's given us. Sometimes later, uh, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him. Are we willing to lay down again our dreams um, and God's gift at his feet? Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you prayed for, for a child and God gave it to you. God gave him or her to you, but then they've become your idol. And God said, Re- put him on the altar again give him to me. Maybe your prayer was financial stability or career advancement or getting that medical or law degree. And he brought you through school. He got all your loans paid off. He opened all of these doors and it's become an idol. Even though it was a dream God gave you, that dream became God to you. And God said, can you sacrifice that again? Maybe it's your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You prayed uh, against loneliness and you asked God for a partner maybe for the season or for life. But then they've become an idol and God said, can you place this on the altar and worship me instead of my blessings, instead of my plans, instead of all the great things I have for you. Don't worship God's purpose and plans. Worship God. The sacrifice, the waiting puts our eyes back on him. And then, When we're able to re-sacrifice what the Lord has given us, he uses his gift in ways that we can never imagine. In verse 6, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the wood and the knife. And the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son? Abraham replied, The wood and the fire are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. You know, having Liam and Levi, this is become an extremely personal uh, passage to me, to put myself in Abraham's shoes, to make the sacrifice that he did. And even the scriptures say his love um, and his hope for his son. But I love this last verse in in 8 because it says, God himself will provide the lamb for our burnt offering. You know, as Abraham raised his knife to sacrifice Isaac, the angel of the Lord stopped him. And he says, don't kill your son. God has provided a ram for you. And this ram was caught in the thicket. And, God, and, and Abraham offered this lamb instead. But when we look into the story of Christ, when we see how much God the Father loved his son, God did provide a lamb and it was jesus jesus was and is the lamb of god who was slain for the sins of the world and as abraham offered his son to the lord willing to sacrifice it this is where god affirms his promise to sacrifice his son for abraham for his descendants and for us The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, right? God has nothing to swear by. We usually swear by something more stable, more consistent, more powerful than us. God has nothing to swear by except from himself. He says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely make you a great nation. And your descendants, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore, your descendants will take possessions of the gates of their enemy. And through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. As Abraham obeyed the Lord and was willing to sacrifice his son, God affirms his promise to sacrifice his son, Jesus. And he does, he does, he does, and he and he is faithful to that promise. And because of that, all the nations of the earth are blessed. Right through your offspring, we trace Jesus', Jesus lineage all the way back to Abraham. Jesus is the offspring of Abraham, and through Jesus, he blesses us, and he brings us into becoming the descendants of Abraham, the father of our faith. We are part of the stars in the sky and the sands of the seashore. We are part of the lineage, the covenant, the promise of Abraham. You know, when I think about what Abraham must have thought when he was walking away from his homeland, he knew it was a big promise, but how could he imagine us being a part of his descendants? Us being blessed by him. That somehow his act, it didn't cause, but it, it affirmed the way that God would redeem us. I hope that we would be more than willing to sacrifice even the gifts of God in order um, to see His plans blow our mind. As we think about communion this Sunday, and again, I I hope that you guys would prepare communion um, as you uh, move into our Sunday service. Remember, This scene, right, of Abraham asking his son to carry up the wood. And then we think about how Jesus carried up the wood to Calvary. How he carried up his own cross. We think about how Abraham raised his knife to sacrifice his son, but was stopped by the Lord. But when God raises up the judgment on Christ for for us, our judgment unto Him, He does not stop His hand. Jesus absorbs our sin. He takes on death. And He gives up His life for us. There's no greater sufferer than the Lord. There's no... When God asks us to sacrifice, it's always a mere shadow of the sacrifice that He's made on the cross. So, would you take communion with me and remember Christ? God, thank you so much for fulfilling your covenant. Thank you so much that throughout our lineage, people have cried out to you to remember, to remember your promises to Abraham and then you do. You always pull through. Your wrath and anger relents and your mercy is extended to us again and again. And the most greatly, when you sacrifice your son, when you become the lamb, when you carry the wood. God, I prayed this morning for those who, like the passage said, might be separated from you, that they live in a world without God and without hope. God, you invite them today into your family, into your lineage, into um, your forgiveness. And I pray that they would accept it. Hey, if if you've been checking out our Sunday for a while, checking out Christianity, and you're like, man, I want, I just want God to forgive me, to give me a plan and a purpose. I want to follow Him. I would love to just pray with you right now, a simple prayer, and just invite you to pray with me. It's you know, becoming Christian. There's no bar to cr- to like jump over. There's no hoops to climb. Across, it's just asking Jesus to forgive you and receiving that free gift of family He offers. So, if that's you today, let me pray. And would you just pray, um, like kind of echo my prayers if you agree with them, if if they are represent your heart? Would you just pray after I pray? God, I confess that I'm a sinner that I've done wrong things in my life and that I've gone my own way. Today, I ask you to forgive me, Jesus, and I want to be a part of your family. I want to follow you and live the plans that you have for me. Amen.